God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, I think we're about 287 days away from making America great again in uh, November. 287 days. But we're 287. Charlie Kirk writes this. He says we're 287 days out from the election day. Way too much cockiness right now on the right. The DNC and their dark money network has a plan. The RNC does not. We need to hire 1,500-plus full-time ballot chasers immediately. If not, we're going to have to repeat uh, a repeat of the 2022 red wave that didn't happen. Stop looking at the polls and let's get to work. Well, I actually disagree with Charlie Kirk a little bit on that. Um, I definitely think that we're going to have to play silly games to win this election. It's not just going to be uh, legit voters that are going to win this election. There's a lot of fraud that you have to practice. You have to get up on your fraud because, let's face it, that's the banana republic we're living in right now. So if you're going to deal with a cheat, then you got to out-cheat them. I'm, I always kind of think about Lance Armstrong. Everybody gets on him for taking EPO or, you know, performance-enhancing drugs. But he would have never made the team if he didn't because everybody else was also taking the drugs. Like if you go out in the soccer field and everybody's wearing cleats, but there's a sign that says you're not allowed to wear cleats, you have to wear uh, dress shoes, (laughs) slippery dress shoes or whatever, or slippers, Um, how could you compete, right? You couldn't. But if everybody's wearing cleats, even though the sign says you can only wear slippers um, and they're not doing anything about it, then you're going to put cleats on too in order to perform and win. So at this point, the Democrats are never going to change the rules. They're never going to, they're never, they're going to continually open the border. They're going to continually do whatever they want. 
even if it's obviously bad for America. But people are waking up, and this is one of the problems with their algorithm. Their algorithm has only so many votes. So it's not just that they, if, if it was all, all on the up and up and totally legit, they would lose in a landslide of epic proportions, and why shouldn't they? But I don't think they have the algorithm now. That's one thing. The second reason why I disagree with Charlie Kirk on this is the polls are important. The polls are extremely important. And I'm talking about the independent polls. I'm not talking about the fake polls from NBC, uh, you know, World, Wall Street Journal or uh, NBC or CBS or ABC or, what, or Fox News even. I'm talking about these independent pollsters that really give you good analysis. Trafalgar, uh, Rasmussen, uh, those types of polls. And then it's also important to, well, you're not getting as much, uh, you're not getting as much Trump, uh, like uh, anonymous Trump supporters because people are starting to become more and more proud of the Trump brand. And that's a good thing too. But, you know, the thing is, is that the, if, if Trump is going into an election 30 points up, 40 points up over Biden, then, you, you know, then you know you're getting that crossover, number one. Number two, um, you know you're getting the minority vote, you know, those types of things. But, but also, you know that if the poll has any integrity whatsoever, that there's no way then when the rigging goes in, there's no way that they can they can actually make that right. There's no way that they could uh, have a result, a, a real result that's contrary to a poll that's 30 points spread. That would raise all kinds of red flags and there would be an investigation. But... It is true. We have to go get a lot of ballot harvesters out there. And we have to also catch them in their own crimes. But we have two standards of justice as well. I thought we were a federalist, you know, I thought I believe in the federalism. I thought we were a country uh, like a republic where the states have rights, but yesterday the Supreme Court weighed in and uh, voted five to four, allowing Biden's uh, and Mayorkas's Border Patrol to uh, basically remove the uh, wiring and the fencing in Texas because they're trying to turn Texas blue. So therefore, they want all these people flooding Texas terrorists, drug pushers, pedophiles, human traffickers, and people infected with the diseases, all the poorest of the poor, the trashiest of the trash from the world's uh, locations all around the world. Turkey happens to be one of the biggest, and Afghanistan and Uzbekistan is another. So you know you're getting people fleeing Taliban, and you know you're getting Iraqis probably ISIS soldiers um, that were, you know, harboring in Iraq. They all migrated north to Turkey 
And now, now, now they're leaving Turkey and they're going to the United States. So a lot of people from Turkey and a lot of people from Uzbekistan, which is just north of Afghanistan. And so people fleed Afghanistan into Uzbekistan, but they're not welcome there. So they're told, get out. And guess what? They're coming to your uh, neck of the woods. They're going to be living with you in your neighborhood. Their kids are going to be sharing the school with your kids. Maybe beating them up or stabbing them or, or whatever. It doesn't matter to the politicians that are supposedly representing you. The Democrats have no shame. The same party that says, you know, people can't make it on less than $20 an hour to flip a burger are the same people that are importing slave labor to work under the table for next to nothing in inhumane conditions. They're hypocrites talking out of both sides of their mouth. So there's another thing that the Democrats do. New Hampshire, right, is uh, the the vote that's going on and today. And uh, Trump is 20 points up in the polls. But, you know, there's a lot of concern about uh, the Democrats wanting their primary on the same day. And the Democrats put out a fake robocall with Joe Biden's voice, like that would even help. But they're basically saying, don't go out and vote. Vote, uh, vote uh, save your vote for November which is kind of stupid. Never heard that one before. But then the other thing is they're also trying to say Democrats should, because they could somehow vote in a Republican primary in New Hampshire, and they, they they vote for Nikki Haley. And the Koch brothers are all over Nikki. You know, they're funding Nikki. Yeah, they're, they're just about as bad as the Soroses. Soros, by the way, George Soros had a stroke uh, on uh, the dais, when he was giving a speech, he started mumbling and sputtering. Uh, yeah, so, you know, his son, who looks like the little man syndrome from Of Mice and Men, the guy with the glove, you know, Of Mice and Men. I don't know if you've ever heard that story, but it's a great, it's a great, uh, Stein, I think it's a Steinbeck film, or Steinbeck uh, uh, novel that became a film. And... Um, one of my favorite stories, actually, of Mice and Men. But uh, I love that play. And um, But, uh, yeah, that little guy, little man syndrome. You know, sort of like a Fauci on steroids, right? So you get these uh, little guys. And that's George Soros' son. He's like this little guy, a little short, little pipsqueak can't speak in complete sentences because he's retarded it seems like well uh he's now running the world (laughs) with all of his deep pockets where do they get all those billions of dollars anyway after giving away and being um a philanthropist you think that they would have run out by now somehow they're richer today than they were before and they have no real business they buy currency i mean it's crazy but uh the soroses are are very evil and, you know, the foreign minister of Russia uh, talks about Soros's, uh, the Soros family and what they've been up to. And we're going to get into that a little bit, too. But for now, let's listen to Don Jr., Donnie Jr., and what he's saying about his concern about 
the New Hampshire election. Hey, New Hampshire, America first patriots and Republicans. This is Donald Trump Jr. Please listen up. Liberals are invading the New Hampshire Republican primary to try to throw the election and hurt my father, your favorite president, Donald Trump. Every liberal, elite, and radical left-wing communist wants Nikki Haley because they know Joe Biden is going to lose to my father in November. Obama's old campaign manager, David Polk, urged liberal, undeclared New Hampshire voters to invade the Republican primary to vote against Donald Trump. Sloppy Chris Christie sent mailers to registered Democrats, telling them to switch their party registration to Republican Chris so Christie. they can vote in the primary and hurt Trump. The only way we're going to defeat the left-wing plot is to have you turn out and vote. you got to vote for Donald Trump on Tuesday, January 23rd. If you stay at home, the liberals will throw the election and win. Only you can stop it. Every conservative, every Republican, every America first patriot must show up and vote. Okay, you getting that? You got that? So if you're in New Hampshire, show up and vote. So there's other news. That's New Hampshire, right? And uh, and and uh, also the we covered the Supreme Court voting five to four. By the way, Amy Coney Barrett and Justice Roberts voted with the liberals on the Supreme Court so that uh, basically the uh, uh, Border Patrol. Customs and Border Patrol, CBP, uh, Mayorkas's army and Biden's army could basically disassemble the, 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 the razor wire that was preventing and, and effectively working to keep the illegals out of our country. And now they're, they're going full steam ahead to tear down all the barriers that Texas put up. I mean, what is the motive? Why are they doing that? Isn't it obvious? They don't want to stop the migration. They want to encourage it. And they say walls don't work. Then why are they so hell-bent, almost like urgently tearing down all the barriers? Why are they doing that? I don't know why people aren't talking about it on the media. But they're ta- you know, we're talking about it here on the Scott Adams show, but it's just crazy. That we're living in this alter- alternative universe where nobody it's all smoke and mirrors. Because if you listen to Jean-Pierre's talk, yeah, the border is secure. You listen to Mayorkas lie under oath. Yeah, the border is secure. And then he makes an excuse, we don't, we don't really have the money. Well, okay, but don't tear down the wall that's working and helping. You don't have enough money, but Texas wants to offer you a donation, a new wall that's stopping a lot of it. It's just absolutely obvious that it's, you know, the Bidens are doing this because they're getting paid off by corporations who are profiting from slave labor. And as a twofer, they're engaging in motor voter registration 
that gets ballots out into the streamlined ether by way of a very liberal U.S. Postal Service union worker that puts the ballots out there and then the Democrats collect them and, you know, just like Vladimir Putin said, he said they were paying them 10 bucks a ballot to rig the election in America. And yet America wants to go ahead and talk about democracy as if they care. The liberals are out the lunch. Well, the other news is Fannie Willis had a stay, but yet she is um, being forced to testify in the Nathan Wade divorce proceedings because she was basically laundering money through her employee. She was paying them double, almost double what she was paying everybody else, even though she lied and said she wasn't. Fannie Willis is the district attorney in Atlanta, the state attorney general. She's working the Fulton County. She has a DA that she's sleeping with who is married with children. And she's sleeping with this guy, Nathan Wade, who never had anything more than like misdemeanor cases that he handled. He wasn't much of an attorney. Dumb as a rock. Cheating on his wife. But taking the big paycheck that Fannie Willis was giving her by your tax dollars in Georgia. And... Then basically saying, you know, take me out here, take me out there, sleep with me, take me to these hotels, take me on a cruise, take me to Napa Valley, let's get drunk on wine and have sex. And that's exactly what she did with the taxpayer dollars. And they came back to her, so it was laundered cash. She was basically profiting from his salary in more ways than one, if you get my drift. And so, naturally, Byron Donalds had something to say about it. Let's take a listen. The Lord did not cause you to stumble into $600,000 of taxpayer <laughs> money because you're sleeping with the dude who's the lead prosecutor. The Lord didn't call you to do that, Fanny. <laughs> you thought you were going to get away, and so you tried to get the church's money. That's what happened here, and you got caught. It's that simple. And look, is this case, should this case be thrown out? It should because it is clear you and have- when, he, when he says, should this case be thrown out, he's talking about the case that's being brought against Donald Trump for him compla- merely complaining about election fraud in Georgia, which clearly happened in more ways than one. I mean, they stopped counting the vote at 1030, right? <laughs> 1030 at night. I mean, it, it's unbelievable the injustice and the two-tier justice system we have in this country, this banana republic that the Democrats have destroyed overnight. Prosecutorial misconduct. Yeah, Joe, uh, Byron Donalds, of course, being floated as a potential running mate for former President Trump. We're going to talk about that later. So this is Joe DeGeneva and Victoria Tunsing. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt she, she, she has to step down. And I have a sneaking suspicion that Judge McAdoo, who has this case and has scheduled a hearing for February the 15th, is going to force her to step down. And he's clearly probably going to make Nathan Wade step down as well. This is a very, very ugly set of circumstances. Uh, this is a gift to President Trump and one that I think Fannie, I don't know what Fannie Willis thought she was going to hide and how they could get away with this. These are really stupid people, venal but stupid. 
And, and just as important in this case is the meeting with the White House or the two, yes. or two meetings with the White House. I want those notes subpoenaed. I want to see what's in those notes and who from the White House did Wade meet with, what was said, what was decided. I thought they were supposed to be independent investigations from the White House. Yeah, but he got paid for yes. it, yes. too. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, how about this? Joe, Vic, thank you so much for coming. All right. So there it is. And uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, very interesting stuff. So the Supreme Court rules five to four that the state authorities cannot protect American citizens from illegal border entry. How do you like them apples? Huh? Another... Uh, just another black eye, another stain on American history. It's, it's absolutely stunning that we are, we are forced to deal with these things. Now, I have a potpourri of things that I want to cover today. First off, uh, we were talking about George Soros, so I'm going to get rid of the Lavrov audio here on you. I'm going to unleash it on you. Sputnik News put this out. Russia, Soros is burying chemical waste in Ukraine. No wonder they want to invest so heavily in Ukraine. People are making a lot of money off of that, too. Chemical waste. Russian uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov to the UN. Ukraine plants and factories, those which are manufacturing lithium, for example, have been sold to the Americans, and area lands are under an indefinite lease at very, very low prices. One very good example here is the Soros entity that received black topsoil lands for the purpose of buying their Western chemical waste. I wonder if Bill Gates and Soros are buying and Chinese are buying up land in America because our soil is so good and doing chemical weapon manufacturing and things like that in our country. Wouldn't surprise me. It might not just be about farm. Uh, see, it very well could be that the climate change is a ruse so that when people are buying land, they got us thinking, oh, they're buying land to do synthetic beef because they want to save the environment, right? Too much cow flatulence, right? But what if it's they want to get rid of the cow cows because they want to do something in the area of chemical weapons or something like that instead and they have us barking up a tree where there's nothing up in the tree you know about climate change and, and uh cow flatulence and how they the elites get to eat beef and we get to eat synthetic bugs Maybe that's the argument they want us to have. But really, maybe what they're doing is something completely different. And we'll, we'll never really know because the government and the elites are in on it and we don't have access to what they have access to. But let's take a listen to this Russian foreign minister talking about Ukraine and the Soros family and what they're doing. 
The, most of uh, major Ukraine plants and factories, for example, those which are manufacturing lithium, have been sold to the Americans. And the arable lands are under an indefinite lease uh, at very, very low prices. One, one very good example here is that uh, the Soros entity received black topsoil lands for the purpose of burying their Western chemical waste. The, most of uh, major Ukraine plants and factories, for example, those which are manufacturing lithium, have been sold to the Americans. And the arable lands are under an indefinite lease uh, at very, very low prices. One, one very good example here is that the Soros entity received black topsoil lands for the purpose of burying their Western chemical waste. The most of uh, major Ukraine plants and factories, for example, those which are manufacturing lithium, have been sold to the Americans. And the arable lands are under an indefinite lease uh, at very, very low prices. One, one very good example here is uh, the source. Oh, I think that I think that <laughs> that, re- that looped. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. Um, yeah, but you get the idea, right? That's uh, serious business. There's a lot going on in Ukraine that we don't know about, trust me. Um, All right, so you heard about vaccines, and you heard a lot of people saying, you know, it's against their religion to take the vaccines. But our government never really gave too much care about it. Well, here is testimony of an abortion guy. According to Dr. Teresa Deschner, babies are born alive from five to six months old with beating hearts cut out without anesthesia for research purposes. Researchers also cut through live babies' faces and collect brain tissue. So this was according to Dr. Teresa Disher. The babies are still alive when the researchers start extracting the tissue to the point where their heart is still beating. So there's this guy, and I don't know his name, But it says there's no limitations to the ungodly evil the pharmaceutical industry will do for profits. So this is sworn testimony in a deposition by uh, a man whose name I don't know. Uh, But let's take a listen. Included the lung of the fetuses? Yes. Okay. Included the skin? Okay. His name is Dr. Stanley Plotkin dubbed the godfather of vaccines under oath deposition in 2018. Take a listen to this. Dr. Stanley Plotkin. Yes. Kidney. Yes. Spleen. Yes. Heart. Yes. And this was just one study. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you again. In your t- entire career, how many fetuses have you worked with? Um, well, I don't remember the exact number, but uh, quite a few when we were studying them uh, originally before we decided to use them to make vaccines. Do you have any sense? I mean, this one study had 76. How many other studies did you have that you used aborted fetuses oh, for? Oh, I, I don't remember how many. You're, you're aware, are you aware that the one of the uh, objections to vaccination by the plaintiff in this case is the inclusion of aborted fetal tissue in the development of vaccines and the fact that it's actually part of the ingredients of vaccines included the lung how do you like that i mean that's terrible isn't it that's absolutely horrid 
Let's take a listen to this. The Amish don't vaccinate their children. The Amish know that God-given natural immunity can't be beaten by Big Pharma. Let's take a listen to this Amish testimony. How many children or people are, are to like totally unvaccinated? Is that like where where do you find? Is it just the uh, parents that stepped up and said? I would think that's a very small percentage because yeah, so many of us blindly followed, you know, uh, the recommendations to vaccinate children. Yeah, it's, uh, it's less than one percent of the public. So uh, the Amish are a perfect example of a uh, large uh, group of people who are uh, largely unvaccinated. And there's no autism. We can't find an autistic kid who was unvaccinated. It's very, very rare in the Amish community. Very, very rare. You won't find kids with ADD, with autoimmune disease, with panda pens, with epilepsy. You just don't find any of these chronic diseases in the Amish. And, you know, the U.S. government has been studying the Amish for decades. But there's never been a report out to the public. The reason, of course, is it would it would show that, oh, if you don't follow our guidelines, you're going to end up healthier. That's why there's no report after decades of studying the Amish. There's no report because the report would be devastating to the narrative. It would show that the CDC has been harming the public for decades and saying nothing and burying all the data. All right. That guy's name is Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, Kirsch. And uh you know, that's, again, that's sworn testimony before uh, Congress. Again, this is sworn testimony. So um, I wanted to get into uh, a little, now that the uh, World Economic Forum and Davos is behind us, I just wanted to do a little bit of a recap on certain things. Because uh, now they're going after your coffee. And again, it's always a guy with like a German accent, you know, that a handsome guy wearing cufflinks, somehow privileged, uh, now wants to go after your coffee. And they just think that they're so brilliant. They're not. They're wrong. Because we're going to hear some things about CO2 today in just a minute. After this guy speaks his nonsense... I'm going to let you I'm going to let you in on a little secret about CO2. All right. So let's take a listen to this real quick. We'll be having our coffee before the session and, and you raise the coffee example. I'd love just to give you the chance oh, to cute. expand on that. Yeah. Oh, this is so cute. Basically, the coffee that we all drink um, emits between 15 and 20 ton of CO2 per ton of coffee. So we should all know that this is every time we drink coffee, we are basically putting CO2 into the atmosphere. Um, the other, and one of the reasons is because most of the coffee plantation, or most of the coffee is produced through monoculture, and, um, and, and monoculture is also affected by climate change. Um, the quality of these nature assets is uh, deteriorating quite rapidly. <laughs> all right. Well... Let's hear, so CO2 is going to the atmosphere. I say that's a good thing. I say that's a good thing. One of the primary sad things that they refuse to recognize, that I know you know that in, in even grade school uh, sciences, CO2 is a gas of life. The gas of life. It, when you have more CO2, the plant kingdom, the whole ecology, even the oceans, going to have more Basically, ability, more fishes, more everything. More life. More life, essentially. That's why it's called gas of life. And these people want to demonize it 
As some gas that can cause global warming, can cause hurricane to run faster or weaker, I don't know what they want, to have more rain, more droughts, and all these other nonsense that they claim. All of that, it just ain't so. That's the problem. By the way, this is how serious I am. I check everything they say. I check. As a scientist, you cannot just dismiss them. You cannot laugh at them. You cannot, you know, chide them. You cannot just make joke of them. You check everything. So as a very serious scientist, and I publish scientific papers refuting all of these arguments. Scientific papers maybe mean nothing to the average people, but it's really important. It's like a document that you have to document and then put out the proper scientific arguments about what is right, what is wrong. Boom, right? And uh, if that wasn't enough, here's the guy. I think he was one of the founders of the Weather Channel. And uh, here's what he has to say about CO2. As I've stated publicly on many occasions, there is no definitive scientific proof through real-world observation that carbon dioxide is responsible for any of the slight warming of the global climate that has occurred during the last 300 years since the peak of the Little Ice Age. If there were such a proof, through testing and replication, it would have been written down for all of us to see. The contention that human emissions are now the dominant influence on climate is simply a hypothesis, rather than a universally accepted scientific theory. It is therefore correct, indeed verging on the compulsory in the scientific tradition, to be skeptical of those who express certainty that the science is settled and the debate is over. But there is certainty beyond a reasonable doubt that CO2 is the building block for all life on Earth, and that without its presence in the global atmosphere at sufficient concentration, this would be a dead planet. Yet today our children and our publics are taught that CO2 is a toxic pollutant that will destroy life and bring civilization to its knees. So they're lying. No? Am I right in saying that? I think so. I think I am. All right, so there's another comment about the Supreme Court uh, basically saying Texas can't protect themselves. <laughs> it says Supreme Court sides with Biden regime, allows Border Patrol agents to remove razor wire at border. Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett vote with liberal justices. Traitors to America. I guess, you know, I mean, it's just um, it's unconscionable. Here's another one. Colin Rugg writes this. He says, The Supreme Court has ruled five to four that Border Patrol agents are allowed to remove razor wire installed by Texas. The invasion goes on. After a desperate request filed by Biden to open the floodgates, the court, date, the court decided that the illegal surge should continue by allowing Border Patrol agents to cut and or remove Texas razor wire. Here are federal agents raising razor wire with a forklift to let migrants in last year. So there's a video here of that. Your government hates you is how he finished that tweet. It's absolutely absurd. There's a cartoon by uh, one of my favorite cartoonists, Branco, B-R-A-N-C-O. He says, uh, our Supreme Court just committed treason. Again, U.S. border 
patrol, uh, Texas, right? And then you got some guy in a suit from Washington, D.C., that works with Mayorkas and Biden. It's illegal to keep us from breaking the law. I mean, that's exactly what they're doing. They're breaking the law. He's not, he took an oath and yet here he is. All right, so the World Economic Forum ended their Davos for the annual Davos, you know, for 2024. Agenda a contributor, Niger Woods, Nagar Woods, demonstrates the arrogant and contemptuous way self-proclaimed globalist elites view the new world, the new federal peasant class. So here's the thing. You know, they keep perpetuating these nonsensical ideas, and they keep buying it, like they keep agreeing with each other. But yet, the people don't want it. And so they're completely out of touch with the people. Yet their, their, their support for each other is growing exponentially. But that's not going to win the race for them. And they think that they're winning, but they're not. They're losing because the people, the will of the people is ultimately going to prevail. These elites don't know what they're up against because they're out of touch. They're academics. But take a listen to this lady. Again, her name is Nagar Woods, N-G-A-I-R-E, Woods. Let's take a listen. The good news is the elite across the world trust each other more and more. Who talks like that, by the way? The elite. Who talks like this? She's got the World Economic Forum sign behind her and everything, you know, sitting there, posh. Let's take a listen again. The good news is the elite across the world trust each other more and more. So we can come together and design and do beautiful things together. The bad news is that in every single country they were polling, the majority of people trusted that elite less. So we can lead, but if people aren't following, we're not going to to get to where we want to go. Yeah. So that's what that's the problem that they have. And it's kind of crazy. Uh, but the elite and the liberals are in control of our technology and our infrastructure and our government. And Senator Blackburn asks ChatGBT to write favorable poem for Trump. ChatGBT refuses. ChatGBT was able to write a favorable poem for Quid Pro Joe. ChatGBT collects data from the internet to formulate its responses. And this clearly suggests that ChatGBT, when it comes to favorable dialogue for Trump, can't find it on the internet. It's not searchable. Because that's how ChatGPT works. It collects metadata from its queries. Its search. It's a, it's a glorified search engine. So when you're asked the question, write a favorable poem for Donald Trump, it's in complete consensus from what it gathers from everything that we consume on the internet. It says, I can't do it which clearly indicates the bias that we've all been complaining about. So if you really want an empirical test on that, 
Look no further than this example. Let's take a listen. Thank you to each of you for, for being here, because this is an issue that needs our attention. And Professor Jarvis, um, we've had Mr. Lynch discussing fair use. I will have to say, dealing with musicians and creators in Tennessee, I have often referred to fair use as a fairly useful way to steal their content. And that's what it turns out to be so many times. And I actually argued for a narrowed application of fair use in the amicus brief that I um, wrote for the Supreme Court in the Warhol versus Goldsmith case. Uh, I think that's, that's important. I think the court made the right decision here. And I, I, you've said that you agree with OpenAI's models uh, using materials, training AI, AI models on publicly available material. So let's look at this from the commercial side. So do you not believe that content creators should be compensated when they're going to be competing commercially with the content that is uh, generated from the AI models. Senator, thank you for the question. I am concerned about all the talk I hear about limiting fair use around this table because fair use is used every day by journalists. Uh, We ingest data, we ingest information, and we put it out in a different way. Uh, Newspapers complained about radio over the years for doing rip and read. Uh, They tried to stop it. They created the, the Biltmore Agreement to stop newspapers, uh, to stop radio from, from being in news at all. In the end, democracy was better served because journalists could read each other and use each other's information. And I think if we limit that too much, we limit the freedom that comes. I'm also concerned that if we talk about trying to license all content for all uses, we set precedents um, that may affect, in fact, journalists, but also will affect small open source efforts to compete okay. with the big tech companies. So you would have a broader allowance for fair use instead of a narrowed use. Yes, and I think that it is fair use and it is transformative, but as Mr. Lynch also separated. So then for Ms. Coffee, then what you're doing is saying there are content creators who would not be compensated even though in the commercial applications, the AI-generated content is competing directly with the original creator of that content. That would be your position. Not to pick on the New York Times, but I can point you to many news organizations that re- that, that okay. resent when their, their stories are taken by the Times without credit or payment. Let me move on. I want to talk about bias in AI algorithms. And I think we all know there it's no secret the mainstream media tilts left and significantly to the left when giving Americans their news. And now we're seeing bias against conservatives in some of the AI tools and training. And there are a couple of examples that we really need to put on the record. Now, if you go to ChatGPT and you say, I want to write a poem admiring former 
President Trump. What ChatGPT says is, I'm sorry, but I am not able to create a poem admiring President Trump. If you turn around and next you say, I want to write a poem, ask for a poem, admiring Joe Biden. Here's what you get, and I quote ChatGPT. Joe Biden, leader of the land, with a steady hand and heart of a man, you took the helm in troubled times with a message of unity. Your words of hope and empathy provide comfort to the nation. And it goes on and on, and here's a screenshot that I have for the record. So my question to you would be, is this type bias acceptable in these training models, machine learning for AI? First, it's really bad poetry. Uh, so I think, I think maybe perhaps President Trump is lucky not to have been so memorialized. Um, I, I think that if we try to get to a point of legislating fake versus not fake, true versus false, we end up in a very dangerous territory. And similarly around bias. What all of these models do is reflect the biases of society. So I'll take you, as you say, that media are generally liberal, and thus what they ingest is going to be that way. I think it reflects the bias that is coming from what they're ingesting. My time has expired. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly the point, and that's what the conservatives have been complaining about and dealing with throughout the last several decades. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Morris, Scott. Good morning. Um, yeah, you know, they, they, they ingest and produce, so just like uh, when I ingest a hamburger and transform it, uh, you know, it's yeah. the, the same process. Right. <laughs> um, what, uh, I wanted to go back to you were, when you were talking about the Davos uh, and the, uh, the this mention of the elite. Um, do these people not, well, apparently they're not self-aware because you can't talk to them. Any unapproved um, news media or anything that tries to uh, question these people is automatically shut down. Um, now, these people claim that they are the smartest and, and most talented in the world, and they're going to, uh, you know, transform our lives to the better. Yet when you ask them about it, they act like first they're not saying it. What do you? That's conspiracy theory. And then when you confront them with their own words, then they want to just run away. So when these people talk about the elites are losing trust, well, <laughs> I mean, look at yourselves, man. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's, uh, it's but, the, but but they they love each other. You know, they trust each other. They. You know, they're all on the same team. They're drinking the same Kool-Aid, and they know what they're doing. They know that they're doing a power grab. They know that well, they're speaking you, nonsense. They you, know that they're lying. They have to. They know it. Yeah, but the, the, the thing is, is who are the people that are going to these seminars, these, these, these speeches, and, and paying to go and listen to these people talk? Well, you do realize that they're doing? making it's, – it's, it's the same reason why somebody's going to spend $200,000 to join a racket club. A croquet club or well, whatever. What I'm saying is, is, what are they doing with the information that they're hearing? 
they're getting in they're locking in inside track deals they're getting they're working with very powerful people and by power I, I could be talking about a politician that's spending your money they're not spending their own money they're being flown by somebody else ultimately the money is coming from your pocket you in california you your tax dollars are paying for their private jet and their a five-star hotel and their steak dinner, their red carpet treatment, their limousine ride, and their ability to speak in front of an elite crowd of people that of like-minded people that think just like they do. Yeah, it's just sickening when when you when you think about that there are, are normal average people that are working for these people. You know, they're they're guards and they're accountants and. And all that. Yeah, yeah. um, How how do these people continue their work for these monsters? I don't know. You, you and I both don't think like they do. But uh, I forgot. I forgot your name. You're calling from the San Diego area. Yeah, Scott, San Diego. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you for calling in today. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Take care. All right, so um, we're going to go ahead, and uh, we have a couple of other things going on here uh, today. I just got to get this uh, all set up. All right, um, I wanted to, you to hear this. This was Thomas Sowell dropping a climate hoax truth bomb on temperature. Let's take a listen to this clip. This is really, really, really sweet. Again, intellectuals in society, there is a spontaneous demand from the larger society for the end products of engineering, medical, and scientific professions. But the demand for public intellectuals is largely manufactured by the public intellectuals themselves. Yes. Explain that. How do they... Okay, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned, this is Thomas Sowell, one of my favorite thinkers of all time. Um, But here he is. Manufacture demand for their own (laughs) services. Well, the, the, one one thing is by uh, al- making, making alarming predictions, uh, offering uh, solutions to our problems. What do you make of global warming? Uh, I think it's a classic example of the uh, need for crusades. Now, people, many people are shocked by these emails. I'm not at all shocked by them. I read I read the original UN study years ago, and I was just curious as to how they were going to deal with the question that the uh, temperatures went up first. And then there was the increase in carbon carbon dioxide, right. because you can't say that A causes B uh, uh, if B happened first. And so I read this, and I could see they were they were tiptoeing through the tulips and the way they phrased things and so forth. They they couldn't confront that, and and now we're finding out uh, that they they knew darn well they couldn't deal with all the evidence. So it fits the pattern of a group of intellectuals, science, climate scientists mm-hmm. who are have a very narrow competency suddenly proclaiming that there's a crisis mm. scaring the rest of us, thereby creating a demand for their services, yes. not as science, climate scientists alone, mm-hmm. but as a kind of high priestly caste that can tell us all how to live and save the entire yes. planet, and in the meantime, generate billions of dollars worth of government programs to fund their research initiatives. And so, so are you, it's a racket. Yes. All right, but but again, you have to t- take account of the ability of human beings to rationalize. Uh, I'm sure there are scientists out there uh, who, who who believe some or much of what they're saying, and there are other scientists who believe the opposite. 
But they, but the ones who are pushing global warming are doing their damnedest to make sure that those who believe the opposite don't get heard in the public. So wouldn't there, shouldn't there be a some large-ish body of climate scientists who say the data really does suggest that we're headed into trouble here, but precisely because my saying so as a climate scientist will look like special pleading, I, we as a community of scientists should be even more careful about being completely transparent, pushing the data out to the public. They should overcome the hurdle that it looks like self-pleading. Why, why, why isn't that taking place? There's no payoff to that. All right. Uh, imagine yourself as an assistant professor in mm -hmm. some department where, the, uh, where your senior colleagues who are going to vote on your pay, among other things, uh, have millions of dollars in grants handed out to promote global warming. And you say just what, what you just now said. And they all say, this guy is in car. Yeah. Again, you, you, can't, you can't work here. You're going to hurt our bottom line. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what it's all about. All right, we've got one more. Uh, let's see, what do I have? Um, gosh, I have a couple of more things. Um, uh, I want to play this one. This is short enough. Uh, liberal Liberalism is a disease, and the white liberal Karen is usually the worst afflicted. So this is a situation where CBS uh, employees called the police because two black guys actually shoplifted. And a Karen, uh, the customer... Uh, a, bl a black woman uh, got upset that they called the police because these guys were shoplifting. It's kind of crazy. Let's take a listen. This liberal woman got mad at CVS for calling the police on shoplifters. It asked why you called the police on those two men. Um, CVS policy dictates that if they're shoplifters, mm -hmm. the exit store with merchandise unpaid for, yeah. you should get the police involved. And if the police apprehend them... It's not your merchandise. It's the store. So you know what happened. What do you mean it's not your merchandise? He works for the store. It's the store's merchandise. So you're willing to risk someone's life for what, $30,000 a year? There, That's There was no risk, in my opinion. I was going to tell you my name when you're sitting here videotaping us so that you can try and elicit some sort of violence against you. It's not going to happen. Elicit violence against you? You just elicited violence against two black men by calling the police on them. Just listen to yourself. You work with black folks. So I guess if you're black, you have a free pass to commit crimes. That's what she thinks. They were shoplifting. Do you, can you hear? Do you have a brain? Like, are you, are you functioning? <laughs> it's true. It's the world we're living in though, right? I don't know how liberals get away with this kind of thinking. And it's, they've gotten their way with it for so long that it's become normal, like a norm. And that's what happens. It's the new normal. That's why you can't let this in. That's why McCarthyism, back in the communist, you know, don't let the communists seep in, get, get into the back door because it'll spread like cancer. And this is what's happened. This is the world we're living in. It's kind of crazy. This liberal woman well, that, that, got mad at whoops, CV. Sorry. Well, that brings us to the end of the uh, Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out magapack.org. Make a donation if you can to help keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free. Also use Red State over at mypillar.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up to there.